The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good, man. It's so good to see you. I have a confession to make this morning. I love Sundays. Don't you love Sundays? I, like, so regardless of how the week goes, when I show up on Sunday mornings, it just it feels like home to me. And so I hope it feels like that to you. And I hope if you are new here, that you will find Story City is a place that feels like home. Look at your neighbor right now and tell them, welcome home. Go ahead and tell them right now. <clears throat> you can do it a little more enthusiasm than that. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad you're here this morning. We are going to f- backload our worship today, and, and we're going to continue our series called Safe Love from 1 John chapter 4 this morning. If you have a Bible, you can turn it on or turn it to, and if you don't have a Bible, we have one for you at the Connect table. You can grab one of those after the service, and we love to give you one. It's faux leather, and it feels really terrible, but it is the Bible, we promise, and it reads just like a Bible, okay? Hey, uh, let me pray for us. We'll jump into the scripture this morning. Jesus, thank you for your unfailing love towards us this morning, God. And Lord, I'm confident that there are many of us in this room, myself included, that need to be reminded of how you love us unending with affections that do not rival the affections that we have back towards you or even towards another human being on this planet. So God, this morning, as we journey through this passage, Lord, as we take another week to to diagnose and understand love and how you love us and how we should love one another, God, may this be a morning that for many of us, it opens our eyes and gives us a clear understanding. God, in a sort of a way, would it surprise us this morning with how you love us? And everybody in the comedy club this morning said, amen, amen. Hey, uh, I'll be 40 um, in a lot of years from now, uh, a year and a half. But um, so, so I've never had a surprise birthday party, but once in my life, and that's the way I like it. And so, but the one surprise birthday party I did have, uh, I walked away with a cut just above my eye. You can still see it today. There's still a scar there. And I put my hand through uh, the floor of a treehouse. We were playing Pinecone Wars. And uh, I, I put my hand through the floor of the treehouse, and my head went to the floor, and there was a nail on the bottom of the floor, and it, it, it almost pierced my eye. So it's like, hey, mom, surprise, I need to go to the hospital. And so, um, but that was my birthday party when I was like seven years old. Um, I want to preach a message this morning titled Surprise, and I hope, I don't know if this is your experience or not, but I feel like in our culture, when we experience love, when someone loves us in a unique way, I feel like love is a surprising element in our culture. So we've been in this series called Safe Love. Um, I don't know if you've taken some time to read the book of 1 John while we've been in this over the last two months, but, but the author continues to go back to this idea of love. You're like, Pastor Matt, are we going to talk about love this morning? Yes, we are. We're going to go back to it. What else can we say about love? Well, see, I, rem- I have to remind myself sometimes that like, like, there's often when I'll say to myself, hey, I'd just love to go deeper in my faith. 
And, and, and there's times in my life when I think that, I need to remind myself, there are things in my life that I understand about you, God, that I haven't already applied, and maybe I just need to go back to that thing. And I believe for all of us in this room this morning, love is one of those things that we need to come back to as a church. I'm not necessarily speaking of Story City Church. I'm talking about the church globally. In fact, let's just do an experiment this morning. So uh, let me give you four ideas that, that, that have something to do with spirituality. And I want you to give it a grade as to how you think our culture responds to it here in LA, right? Okay, so, so we'll respond like this. And this is like, like, this is like a test and I want your feedback. So, so there's three ways you can respond this morning. You can respond with thumbs up. Yes, our culture agrees with that, or, or our culture is open to that. You can respond with a parallel thumb, or maybe that's perpendicular, or just a sideways thumb, and that's like, ah, they're okay. And then you can respond with a thumbs down as to how you think our culture responds to this idea. Let's start with this. Number one, how do you think that our culture in our city responds to the idea of spirituality, just in general, some sort of spirituality. Thumbs up, sideways, thumbs down. Let me see it. Everybody, okay? Wow, you guys are so negative. Um, <laughs> look at all of you that are like, ah, so, 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 so. I actually disagree with all of you guys who have your thumbs down. I think our culture is highly receptive to spirituality. There are all kinds of churches in our city, churches that love Jesus, churches that don't know Jesus. There are people in our city that practice all sorts of spiritual things. I really believe, and a lot of researchers would agree, that our culture is highly spiritual, okay? So here's a second thought. How do you think our culture responds to God? Thumbs up, uh, what do we call this? Sideways thumb, and then thumbs down. I'm not talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm talking about God in general. Thumbs up, middle, thumbs down. What do you think? <laughs> you guys are so suspicious of our, of our culture. Uh, I actually think our culture is highly receptive to God. I really do. And not necessarily the God of the Bible, but all, every research, every bit of info that you read about uh, our culture and how we believe a, about a God. There are very few atheists in our culture. All of us have some sort of belief around the God. I don't mean they love God. I mean they're okay with the idea of God. Okay, so here's the third one. How do you think our culture responds to Jesus, thumbs up, what do we call this, sideways thumb, thumbs down. Jesus, what do you think? Okay, as I suspected. I actually, I, I, I disagree with most of you. I think Jesus, I think most people are okay with Jesus, honestly. I really do. And maybe, I'm not getting into the death, burial, and resurrection. I'm talking about Jesus as a man. I mean, universally, Jesus is highly influential, not just in L.A., but around the world. I really believe that. Okay, last question. How do you think our culture responds or feels about the church? Thumbs up. Ah, thumbs down. What do you think? <laughs> this is not a trick question, I promise. I'm not going to bounce you. I agree. I, I totally agree. I think, the, I think the culture totally feels thumbs down towards the church. I really do. So, so here's what we're left with. Spirituality, God, Jesus, the church. Here's what we're left with. We've got a great product, Jesus. We've got a great message, God. <laughs> We've got a terrible delivery system, the church. 
And, and, uh, and so we have to ask ourselves as, as a pastor, as, as a team who leads the, this, this movement called the church, when culture responds this way towards it, we have to diagnose the scenario and the situation. Leaders have to define reality. We have a terrible delivery system for the great product that we have. Why is that? Can I say this? Let me not project this onto you. I would like to suggest because I suck at love. Honestly, like I, like I, re- I really don't have a problem this morning if you want to boycott Target. And it's a whole other conversation for another day. And it's highly uh, polarizing in this room, even in this room. But I have no problem if you want to boycott Target. I re- the, every Christian and every believer has to make a conscious decision about how they feel about polarizing moral issues in our culture. If you want to, target, if you want to boycott Target, I'm okay with that. But listen, here's what I'm not okay with. I'm not okay if the church believes that we can force morality onto people and by forcing morality onto people, we can in some way change a culture. Can I say to you this morning, there's only one thing that will do that. There's only one way a culture changes. You know how I believe it does? (laughs) Love. I believe the only way a culture is going to turn their eyes towards the love of God in a way that surrenders themselves to Jesus is through love. And so we have a problem. (laughs) We have a problem as a church. By the way, I love Sundays. I love this church. God is doing great things in this church. We baptized last week if you weren't here. It was an amazing Sunday. Um, This week we had another conversation about our, this is an announcement about an announcement, but we, uh, we are moving to a new location in August and we'll tell you more about that and unveil it this summer. God's doing great things at Story City. Can I tell you, though, this is a message that we constantly have to come back to. Let me just read you a couple quotes. I, I love the, the approach that Martin Luther King took to transforming a culture. Here's a quote from Martin Luther King. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. He also said, the time is always right to do what is right. And then I, I just, I love this quote. I, I, I tweeted it sometime this week or yesterday. The, the reason I can't follow the eye for eye philosophy is that it ends up leaving everyone blind. What a great thought. What a great quote. So, so the conversation on love this morning, by the way, um, if I have five pages of notes, I know I'm going to preach about 35 minutes. This morning, I have nine pages of notes. <laughs> I know. Before you get up and go to the bathroom, um, um, I'm probably going to preach this in two parts today. So just bear with me because I, I really have a lot of energy around this passage. And it's moving to a place in verse 12 that I think is really good for our church. And I didn't write a sermon all the way to verse 12 because I knew I wouldn't get there. But next week I want to get there and I want to make a real application for our church. But let, let's be real this morning. This is a conversation we need to have. I mean, I mean, to the bare bones, everyday life, how do I love the lady who always comes up to my table at Simply Coffee Tray and asks me for money every single time I go to Simply Coffee? How do I love her? How do I love the neighbor that's constantly begging for my attention and constantly draining my energy? This is real talk this morning. How do I love my neighbor? 
It's real talk this morning. How do you love the pastor who constantly asks you, hey, we need some volunteers in children's ministry, right? This is real talk this morning. This is real talk this morning. And so here's the idea. Love is not an option for the Christian. Love never fails. But can I say to you this morning, sometimes I fail at love. And maybe you do too. But, but here's the other thought. Because of our association with God, if you are a believer and you know Jesus, because uh, this is all introductory. This is why it's, it's nine pages. Uh, uh, because of our association with God, it, it allows us and it, it negates the possibility of disassociating with those people who need our love. The person who asks me for money, the person who drains my energy, the person who asks you to serve every single week. Our association with God negates the possibility of escaping love and loving those people whom we do life with, the people who we have to get along with, the people who we help, the people who we work through difficulties with, the people who we enjoy, the people who we comfort, the people who we guide to Jesus, that and those are who we were made for. And here's why. This is all introduction, because love must have an object. <laughs> love must have an object. And so that's why God created us. So 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Let's get some instruction on love. Okay, here we go. Verse 7. Chapter 4, um, the scripture says, Dear friends, let us love one another. And this is really important. I'm going to come back to this part in just a second. For love comes from God. For love comes from God. Everyone who has been born of God knows God. Verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God. Here's the second part of verse 8. This is this is. This is Deep doctrine this morning, How, although it's veiled in, 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 um, in, in very precise, practical language. This is deep theology and doctrine this morning. Verse 8, whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. That's deep this morning. <laughs> I'm reminded of a professor of mine in seminary who said, your doctrine is useless if people don't know what to do with it. And so this morning, I hope to lead us to a place where we know what to do with this idea that God is Love. Verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God has so loved us, <laughs> we also ought to love one another. By the way, John has said love one another six times in chapter 3, verse 10, 11, 14, 23, and then twice in chapter 4, verse 7 and 11. By the way, good Bible study. When we preach and teach here on Sunday mornings, Trey does a phenomenal job at it. When we preach and teach on Sunday mornings, we're not just shotgunning thoughts to you. We're trying to, we're trying to teach and preach from the scripture, and we hope we do so in a way that helps you do good Bible study. And so here's good Bible study this morning. If you see the same phrase over and over in a passage, in a chapter, in a book, that's a good clue that this is what the book or the chapter or the passage is about. So John six times says, 
love one another. <laughs> so we get this idea that John wants us to love one another. And so this is what he does in chapter 4. He starts in verse 7. He says, love one another. He comes back to it in verse 11. I'm not going to read verse 12 this morning uh, because I'm only on page 2. Okay, so, so, so he comes back to love one another in verse 11. So he bookends the passage we're teaching from this morning with love one another, love one another. But what he does in the middle is he explains how to get there. By the way, that's great communication. I'm going to tell you where I'm going. I'm going to go there. I'm going to come to the end and tell you where we've been. John is a great communicator. John says, love one another. Look at your neighbor and tell him, love one another. Go ahead and tell him right now. So this is John's primary exhortation in this passage, love one another. So then John says, how do I get there? Yeah. How many of you guys were here last week? Anybody here last week? Uh, did anybody see the military-looking guy with the short hair and the flat top? Anybody see? You, you may not. That's my father-in-law. And, um, and I've got some stories to tell about my father-in-law. And if he's listening by podcast, I love you so much. And my father-in-law, we've been married four years. My wife is over here. Uh, we've been married four years, and we had no kids. And my father-in-law literally says to me one day at dinner, hey, son, do you need me to write you some instructions on how to get some kids? <laughs> uh, uh, no, please don't spare me. Dear God, please, no. John is saying here, he's saying love one another. He comes back and he says love one another. John's about to set up an instruction manual, listen to me, about how to birth love. So the primary exhortation is love one another, but here's where we have to begin. Go back to verse 7. Here's, how, here's where we have to begin in birthing love. Verse 7, in verse seven it says, uh, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Verse 8, the end of verse 8 says, God is love. Can I tell you where we must begin as we're birthing love in our life? Surprising love begins with God. Surprising love begins with God. God, Pastor Matt, do you believe that, um, that an unbelieving non-Christian can love people? Um, do you believe that an unbeliever can love without knowing God? That's a great question this morning, by the way. That's a great question. Can an unbeliever love without knowing God? Here's my answer. Yes, he can. Yes, she can, because love is a universal moral absolute. In fact, it's one of the, it is the only moral absolute that is not self-defeating. In other words, murder. If murder was not a moral absolute and mor murder was, uh, if murder was a moral absolute and everybody murdered, then there would be no people, right? If, if uh, this idea of, of taking out a loan with no ability to pay back or no intention to pay back was a moral absolute, like you take out a loan and you know you're not going to pay it back and you know you don't have the money to do so, if that was a moral absolute, then that would undermine and that would undercut the whole idea of human promises. Every moral absolute is self-defeating when you flip it on its head, but love is the only moral absolute that is not self-defeating. And so, and so, and so can a non-believer love if they don't know God? Yes, they can love. In fact, I know a lot of non-believers who probably love better than some Christians in my life. In fact, um, it's, it's, uh, it's this idea that people can, can 
condition themselves to understand a biblical principle, even though they don't know or, or may not ascribe or may not surrender to that biblical principle. We can condition ourselves that we can actually love, but people have to be led away from the, this notion, this common sense notion that, that love, um, that of, of love to the biblical principle of love and ultimately to the person of God himself, who is the source of love. So here's the deal, sheer willpower. Sheer willpower can allow a person to follow the golden rule to love other people with a high degree of success. But here's the deal. Day in and day out, without a helpmate, which originates from God, without a helpmate, it is impossible, supernaturally impossible, to love day in and day out. So here's the deal. When the heat is turned up... (laughs) When the heat is turned up, and it got turned up on I-5 recently with me. When the heat was turned up, this lady whipped in front of me. Now, by the way, you, th- this is a good clue as to the idea that I'm taking this test with you this morning. I haven't passed it, and like, here's the answers. When I'm in a car in a situation like that, my five-year-old daughter now says, Daddy, honk the horn, right? <laughs> like, holy smokes, I failed, Right? Like, I've totally failed. Like, when the heat is turned up on I-5 and this lady whips in front of me, like, I'm not surprised that she looks in the mirror and she's like, I'm not surprised that she responds that way, right? Because it's a natural, fleshly response to an unbeliever. It's, 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 uh, It's true to who they are. But we have a power if we know God. We have a power that's beyond ourselves to follow through with what we know is right. Um, One of my mentors has famously said, um, a Christian never has the liberty to be unkind. That's so convicting to me. (laughs) A Christian never has the liberty to be unkind. But can a non-believer just follow common sense and conscience? Of course because we're just predisposed to some idea of doing right and being conditioned to do so. Um, several years ago, my wife and I went to Marco Island on vacation. Before I became a church planner, I actually vacationed really well. Um, we'd go to Costa Rica and St. Thomas and Hawaii, and, and now we're like, hey, let's go to Santa Monica. And so... Um, which is awesome. And so, and so we went down to Marco Island several years ago, South Florida. It's a beautiful beach. And on TripAdvisor, uh, one guy said, hey, when you go to San, uh, Marco Island, you should rent a boat and drive and wind through this little river that, that takes you all the way out to the mouth of the river and leads out to the ocean. It's just a beautiful place. It's quiet. It's unspoiled. There's nobody on the island. There's a lot of seashells. If you have kids, the kids will love to pick seashells. And so we rent a boat and we wind through and it was awesome. What kind of boat? Was it a pontoon boat? I don't know what kind of boat. It was, it was a boat. And, um, and so we're winding through the river and we get to this place where it was obvious this is the place where the guy on TripAdvisor was talking about you saw some boats and it was opening up into the ocean and but but what was happening when we got there was that the the, the current was going out of the ocean if that may, how do you say that it was it was uh, you're from Jacksonville Trey what do you say it was it wasn't going towards the ocean it was coming out of the ocean and so and so 
when we got there, there were several boats that were, that, that were, they were like abandoned ships, like they were floating up the river. <laughs> and, and there was one boat that was up the river, and the river was fairly wide. It was up the river, and there was nobody in it, and it just got, it was clear that it was just caught on like this tree branch that was keeping it from floating even further up the river. And I remember the TripAdvisor guy saying, make sure you put down your what? Anchor, right? And I'm like, oh, dear God, if that was me, I don't know what I would do. Like, I'd have to call somebody. Somebody help me go get my boat. Like, are there saltwater crocodiles in this river? I don't even know if that's a thing, but I'm not swimming across the river to chase my boat that flew all the way up the river. And I'm like, put the anchor down. Boom, we put the anchor down. And so we walk around the island, and my kids are picking seashells, seashells, and we're enjoying the day. And then we come back to the boat, and guess where my boat is? (laughs) Floating up the river. (laughs) Without a moral absolute of love that's anchored to God himself, empowered by the Holy Spirit, eventually our ability to love will wander and walk away. Surprising love is anchored in God himself. Love's an experience that's born in God. We have a concept of love. Listen to me. We have a concept of love because we have a concept of God, but we don't have the full genesis of love in our hearts if the full genesis of Jesus regenerating our life has happened. Can I say to you this morning that brokenness is just a natural outflow Brokenness in relationships and brokenness in life is a natural outflow, even in Christians, but, but, but more so in a life that's not been redeemed by Jesus as the Spirit of God living in them. Can I say to you this morning, if you just happen to walk in Story City Church this morning, regardless of your success or your mess, you're welcomed here, but if you walked in and life is haywire and life is broken and relationships are off the charts messy, can I say to you, that's a common experience for people who have not been redeemed by Jesus and anchored to the source of life. Love himself. It's just natural that it's going to happen. Can a non-believer love? Absolutely you can. Can you do it consistently? No way you can. Pastor Matt, are you insulting me? I don't know Jesus this morning. I'm not saved. I'm not a Christian, but I'm exploring it. Are you insulting me saying that even though I don't know God, that I can't love? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you don't know the full experience of love if you don't know God. Because he's the source of love. He He is the river through which love flows and naturally keeps us anchored to this experience. And so John's argument in verse 8 is if the life of God is present in us, then the love of God will be there too. If the life of God is in us, then the love of God will be there too. Real talk, not in my notes this morning. Real talk. Some of you doubt the love of God in your life this morning. I know for a fact, I know, there's, there's conversations in this room that I've had. I'm not singling you out. I'm not saying your name this morning. But can I say to you, you doubt that God loves you. There's nothing else he can do. <laughs> he can't betray himself. He can't turn his back. God 
is love. I'm going to die. I've got eight minutes left. Oh, gosh, I'm on page three. I've got eight minutes left. Surprising love begins with God. So, so how does one know God then? This is important. Don't skip over. You're like, I've been a Christian for years. I know how somebody knows God. Don't skip over this because this is vitally important to you understanding how to love one another. John says this, verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, this is love. Not that we loved God. Surprise. We were sitting at Simply Coffee several weeks ago. I don't even know what her name. Do you know her name, Trey? Huh? M- Monica? Juanita. I've seen her multiple times. Hey, and she's always got a smile on her face. Hey, I, I just need a little bit of money. Oh, dear God. How many times, right? And, and like Trey sitting there is like, well, how much do you need? I'm like, oh, my gosh. How much do you need? I think 10 would do. Trey opens his wallet. Well, I've got 10. Here's 10 for you. <laughs> Surprise. Surprise. Not that we loved God. Listen, surprise. But that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Surprising love begins with God. But can I say to you this morning? Surprising love must be received from God. Surprising love must be received from God. So there's really two ways and how we know God. Number one, we know God through creation. Don't check out just for a moment. We know God through creation. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, for his invisible attributes are thoroughly known from the creation of the cosmos, being known by means of the things which have been made. Cicero said, what can be so plain when we behold the heavens and contemplate the celestial bodies as the existence of some supreme divine intelligence by which all these things are governed? The literal translation of Psalm chapter 19, verse 1 says this, the heavens are counting the weightiness of God. How do we know God? Number one, we know him through creation. Uh, last week I was down in Orange County. Isn't Orange County nice? Um, like, except for the toll roads, every time I go down there, I'm like, dear God, why didn't you send me here? And so it's just so nice. And so I'm down in Orange County last week for a conference and a guy by the name of Bob Goff was speaking. Anybody know Bob Goff? He wrote a book called Love Does. If you don't have that book, you should buy it. It's, it's a great book. He sold over a million copies. He's literally put his phone number on the last page and said, if you have questions about this book, call me. And you're like, There's, he, no way, right? And so he says in a lot of his talks, he's like, I get 100 phone calls a day. <laughs> he's like, and I never send him a voicemail. He says, and, and so Bob Goff has this idea of, of this idea of, of returning to whimsy. It's this idea of being surprised by, by God's creation, like, 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 like being surprised. How are there four different kinds of trees planted on my property where I live that produce fruit and, and bring sustenance to my life? Be surprised as to how the espresso machine makes wonderful coffee. Be surprised how the clouds separate themselves and come back together and and create rain, surprised by the love of God in creation. How do we know God? We know him through creation, but the second way is through Scripture. The second way is through Scripture. We, we know God because he has written a letter to us. 
He's texted us. He's, he's emailed to us. I know right now in, in 2016, it's, it's, not, it's like it's out of fashion to write letters. Trey loves to write letters, but it's a big deal to get a letter in the mail. God has written a letter to us. How do we know God? Through creation. We know him through scripture, and we primarily know him through the person of Jesus Christ. I may have told this story before, and I have to shorten it because now I have three minutes. And so it was a story of Amanda at Glorieta, New Mexico. I was preaching camp years ago. I go back there this summer, and I'm going to preach, and I'm really excited about it. And I sat down with Amanda at a table one day, and we read Genesis 1-1. I put it in front of her, and she read it. We read John 3-16. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 3-16, she read it, for God so loved the world. Romans 3-23, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6-23, for the wages of sin is death. Romans 5-8, but God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9 and 10, she starts to weep. But if, if, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I will be saved. We just read scripture that morning, that afternoon, that evening. We just read scripture. And scripture has a, has, has a way of exposing our hearts to who God is. In the chuck wagon, eating chicken poppers at a table by myself, Amanda, 14 years old, gave her life to Jesus. Why? Not because I was elegant, not because I had an argument, not because I, I knew how to persuade her, because the, the word of God itself was persuasive enough to open her heart to who God was. Love must be received. And, here, here, and when we understand him in, in, in these two ways, we, we comprehend a God who has an essential nature that is predisposed towards us. Listen to me, this is highly practical. When we comprehend God through creation, through scripture, through Jesus, we comprehend a God who has an essential nature that is predisposed to us, essential to God's nature, listen to me, is how he sees you and me. Listen to me. We are not a means to an end. You are not a means to an end to God. When we understand God from Scripture, we know that we are an end in ourselves. Let me scratch the record and repeat just for a moment. Love requires an object, and love is not nebulous. Love is, is not an, an immeasurable feeling. It requires conscious action and response. Look at me, because you need to hear this this morning. To God, you are the apple of God's eye. You are the apple of God's eye. Can I say to you, he's not sitting down for coffee with you this afternoon and looking over your shoulder. I have a horrible time of doing that. He's not looking over your shoulder to see who else is there. He's not, he's not, he's not digging up the past and all the dirt that came with your life to see if, if, if it's going to disqualify you. He's not conditioned to treat you differently based on whether or not you love him. He surprises us because when we did not know God, when we did not love God, the scripture says to us, this is how we know God. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. God is love. It's essential to his nature and who he is. You remember if you're married in this room. By the way, how many married people in the room? Can we just take a survey? Okay, single people look around, okay? Um, <laughs> if you're married this morning, do you remember when you were dating? 
You remember the walk on the beach? Do you remember the dinner time date? Remember just sitting in the car? You remember how that went down? You remember how it went down, right? Right, right. Like, 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 like all the windows had been closed out. There were no text messages that needed to be checked. There wasn't a website or a score that you needed to find out. You were the only person in the room to the other person who was looking at you, right? By the way, if you're not married this morning and you're in a relationship and you've never experienced a time when you sat down across from another person and you were the only thing in the room, can I tell you this morning, run Like runaway bride, run like Air Force Ones, walk out the gym running hard, run. Because if you've never experienced a time when, 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 when you've been the only object in the room, can I say this to you? When you get married, you still won't be. But remember when you got married, you were the only person in the room. You're not a means to an end for God's love. You are the end goal. God's not wondering how do I get him past this point? How do I use him to, to, to build another church? How do I, how do I get uh, her to raise a kid who's going to do this? I mean, you are the end goal. You're not a means to an end. God is looking into your eyes and his affection rests on you. There is no but. I know what you're thinking. There's a but, right? Some of you like big butts and you can't lie. There's a but, Pastor Matt. Is that appropriate? Just love me. God's love for you is pure. So don't resist it. Stop resisting it. Yeah, I know it's tough right now. I know it's difficult. I know you had all of your hopes resting on the last relationship. I know there seems no way through the financial trouble. I know the marriage thing right now is really intense and fiery. God loves you. Don't create a but. Don't create an, an alternate ending. Don't create an alternate universe. Don't, don't look around and look over your shoulder to see who God is looking at. He's looking at you. God is love. And that's all the time I have. <laughs> So let me end like this. I'm going to preach this in two parts. Next week, you're going to get the second part. And it's really good. It's very practical next week as well. What keeps you from knowing God today? Why don't you trust your life to Jesus today, this morning? Why? Why not? There's, there's no reason not to look God back in the eye because he surprised you. 
He surprised you. Not that we loved God, that he loved us. Just do me a favor. Just bow your head, close your eyes in this moment of reflection. Then I do something. I, let me just read this passage. And then I want to ask you a couple questions and then we're going to sing. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Surprising love begins with God. As hard as you've tried to manufacture it, as, try, as hard as you've tried to receive it from someone else, it ultimately comes from God. Yes, you can know it and understand it, but you don't have the full experience of it unless you know God. Whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Are you really living this morning? Honestly, honestly. Not a religious exercise this morning. Not a box check that you came to church. Are you really living this morning? Is God living through you? Is his love living through you? Has he made you perfect according to verse 12? <laughs> this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We don't do this every week at Story City, but I believe it's appropriate this morning. Have you ever trusted your life to Jesus? Honestly. I don't mean, have you been to church before? I don't mean, have you read the Bible before? I mean, have you trusted your life to Jesus for him to, to atone for your sins? What does that mean, Pastor Matt? For him to make a way for you to clearly see God and look him into the eyes, in his eyes, and for him to look back at you and say, there was nothing in you. I saw Jesus only. It was in spite of your sin that I still loved you, and I made a way for us to have a complete relationship. This morning, have you ever trusted your life to that? Would you do it? I'm not talking about rededication if you've been saved for years. I'm not talking about recommitment. I'm talking about have you trusted your life to be saved and transformed by the love of God who takes your sins as far as the east is from the west and he separates them from you and puts Jesus in your place and love is made perfect in your life and you now have all access, full access to God because he's taken away the problem between you and him and it's called sin. Would you trust your life to him this morning? How do I do that? Nothing magical or mystical about it. We don't embarrass you, make you to say anything you don't want to say. We're not going to bring you on stage and, and parade you in front of people. This moment is a moment for you to do business with God. Best way I know, I know how to say it. And the authenticity of your heart this morning, you come before God and you say, God, I acknowledge this morning through the reading of the word of God of who I am, my problem with you. I acknowledge that Jesus was in my place. And God, I desire to be saved, transformed, renewed. I desire a relationship with you. We call that trusting Jesus. You just have a conversation with God this morning and confess that to him. Confess it to him. Tell him, say the same thing about your situation that he says about your situation. You're in sin. Jesus took your place. But the good, wonderful, glorious, awesome news of the gospel is that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you this morning to bring you in a relationship with God. Have an honest conversation with him and ask him to transform your life this morning. Would you do that? 
you've never done it before, don't look around. It doesn't matter who's to the right, to the left, to the front, to the back. It makes no difference who's in this auditorium this morning except for you and God. Would you trust your life to Him this morning? And here's the last thing I'm going to ask you, and we're going to sing. If you've done that, we'd like to know that. Why? You said you weren't going to embarrass me. I'm not. We're not. Because we believe that 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 journey, the believing life is not a solo flight. We believe it's a community journey and we do it together. We walk together. We cry together. We laugh together. We bear burdens together. We experience joy together. So we want to know, how, how, how can I tell you? Drop by the connect table after the service and let one of our pastors know I've trusted my life to Jesus today. And here's all we're going to do. High five. Praise God. Best thing that's ever happened to you. We'll give you Bible, some things to begin to walk with God. That's all that's going to happen. And we love to know who you are. Jesus, I pray over this room this morning. God, I confess there are days when I want to go deeper and I'm reminded that I need to come back to the things that I already know and I'm not yet practicing. God, I need to understand better how to love one another. And God, I confess this morning, it begins with understanding you. God, I pray over this room. Hurts unmet desires, broken relationships, difficult marriages, troubling finances. God, there's a million stories in this room, and God, you know every single one of them intimately. So God, the scripture says your love, says you are love, God. So this morning, would you love us? Allow some of us in this room who haven't felt it, experienced it, believed it in a long time, Would you allow some people in this room this morning to come back to that and know tangibly you love them?